Have you ever grown anything in a garden? I know Derek has. Derek supplied us with many tomatoes this summer. But some fruit, maybe, or vegetables, cucumbers, tomatoes, maybe strawberries, whatever. One of the things you find out is that gardening requires care and patience. It, re it requires getting in the dirt and getting on your hands and knees, getting dirty, sweaty. It requires quite a bit of work. And when you do plant a seed, there is no guarantee that you're going to produce any fruit or any vegetables. There's, there's just no guarantee. The Christian life is kind of similar. The seed of the gospel is planted through faith in Jesus Christ and by the work of the Spirit, but just because that happens, it is no guarantee that you will produce a life of fruitful service just because the seed has been planted. And yet in our, in our passage today in verse 8, it says, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so the goal this morning is to figure out how do we bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Because that's the goal. That's what Jesus talks about here. Folks, listen to me. Glorifying God is the mandate for every Christian. That's why we're alive. So that we live day to day for his glory and honor. So that he is pleased with how we live. And so we want to produce as much fruit as we can so that God is glorified in our lives. Now if you were with us this summer, we were over in the park. And we, we were working on a series called The Invitations of Jesus. And we looked at come and see, find out who Jesus is. We, we talked about listen to my words, find out what Jesus has to say. Follow me, become a disciple or a servant, a, a student of Jesus. We looked at um, one called go and tell, tell, let others hear your story. This morning's invitation is, verse 4, abide in me. We're going to find out what that means this morning, this idea of abide in me. Another way to say that is to remain in a close relationship with Jesus all the time as Christians. The reason for an invitation like this is that because as his people, as the children of God, it's really easy for us to wander off. It's really easy for us to stray from the path and not stay close to Christ. And so then as a result, we become unproductive in the Christian life and unfruitful if we're not careful. And so Jesus' uh, invitation this morning is to abide in me. John the Apostle, who is the writer of this gospel, is going to help us to see some of the things related to abiding or remaining in a close relationship with Jesus and some of the benefits that come from that. I want to try to illustrate it for you this morning, very simply, by using a cup of tea. All right, I've got a tea bag and a teacup. There's no water in here, but just pretend there is. There are a couple different ways to drink tea, basically. You can either dip the tea bag in and out a few times, then place the tea bag off to the side. I call those people dippers. You dip the tea bag in and out, and you get some of the richness from the tea bag, but not all the richness that there is. You get some of it. Yet there are those who steep their tea bag. They leave it in there and drink it with the tea bag in it. It could be two hours later and that tea bag's still in there drawing juice and drawing sustenance from the, the tea bag. Those people are called steepers, right? So you can either dip your tea bag or you can steep your tea bag. And as Christians, some of you guys are dippers. You dip yourself in and out of this relationship with Jesus. You get close to him sometimes, then you're not so close to him, then you get close to him, then you're not so close to him. Some of you are steepers. You dip yourself into the relationship with Christ and you stay there. And you get as close to him as you possibly can and you stay there for as long as you can 
Those are the ones who are abiding in Christ. The steepers are, all right? And we want to be steepers. We want to be people who, for the kingdom of God, bring much glory to God because we produce a lot of fruit in our lives. All right, we're going to talk about what that fruit is in just a few minutes. But the end result is that we produce much fruit because that's what glorifies the Father. That's where we're headed. If we're not glorifying God, who are we glorifying? Ourselves? Someone else? We want to glorify Jesus in the process. Listen, if we're not living to glorify God, then we're really wasting our time. We really are. So we want to live to the glory of God. Now in this passage in John 15, John identifies all the players. He talks about the vine dresser and some of your translations, the gardener. That's God the Father. He talks about the true vine. That's him, Jesus. And then he talks about the branches who are really the disciples, but by implication... It's us too, those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. We are the branches in this analogy, if you will, this metaphor. And so Jesus walks us through the, the process of bearing fruit, and he takes it from no fruit to some fruit to more fruit to much fruit. And those four things we're going to look at this morning. But a little background first. Jesus and the disciples have just left the upper room where they celebrated the Passover meal. All right, this is Thursday evening in the Passion Week of Christ. Now, if you don't remember what the Passover meal is, it was something that was instituted centuries before when the, the Israelites were in Egypt and the death angel passed over the homes of those who put blood on the doorpost. If they did that, then their firstborn son was spared. If they did not put blood on the doorpost, then their firstborn son was taken. And so they celebrated that year after year after year after year. Here Jesus is celebrating the Passover with these disciples and trying to help them to remember uh, what happened there, that God passed over those who had blood on the doorpost. Really was a picture of what Christ was going to do on the cross, right? When he, his blood would be shed for us. And those who place his blood on their lives, death passes over them as well. And so Jesus and the disciples have just finished this meal. They're leaving and they're heading for the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is going to pray and he's going to sweat drops of blood in anticipation of the following day when the crucifixion will take place. So that, again, this is Thursday evening in the Passion Week. The crucifixion is going to take place on Friday. And as they head out, they are walking through the Kidron Valley, which is out the eastern gate of Jerusalem, down into this Kidron Valley, and up the other side is where the Mount of Olives is. And when they go through the Kidron Valley, Jesus is basically telling them to kind of pick up the torch when I'm gone by bearing much fruit for the kingdom. That's what he's trying to get across to them. And so it's springtime also, and at this time as they went through the valley there, grapevines would be just beginning to blossom with a promise of a fresh harvest that would come. And so Jesus uses this vineyard as an illustration to help them to understand what they needed to do. Let me take a little bit of a a detour here, because in the Old Testament, Israel was called the vine. Many, many times in the Old Testament, re referred to as the vine. And I'm, I'm sharing this because I want to make a distinction between them and Jesus. Psalm 80, verse 8 and 9 says, You uprooted the vine from Egypt, and you drove out the nations in order to plant it again. You cleared a place for it, and took, it took root and began to grow in the land. A reference to the nation of Israel. All right? In Isaiah chapter 5, the Lord whom I love had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He broke up the soil and cleared it of stones and planted it with the finest vines. Again, in that passage, it tells us clearly that it was the nation of Israel that being referred to in many, many other passages in the Old Testament 
talk about Israel as the vine. But what we find out is that this vine, the nation of Israel, did not meet, uh, live up to its intended purpose. And so God sent his son Jesus, the Messiah, as the, it says in verse 1, he says what? I am the true vine. Israel's not the vine. I'm the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. And what Israel failed to do, and that is to introduce Jehovah God to the rest of the world, Jesus, the true vine, would do and would accomplish. He would, he would get that message out. And so we have to make that distinction. Jesus wants, Jesus wants his disciples to know that the only way to bear much fruit for God's kingdom is to abide in him. And this is a hugely important concept for believers, for those who know Christ, to spend time with God, to live in his presence as often as we can. Here's the thing, in order to abide in Jesus, abide in Christ, in order to have a closer relationship with Christ, we've got to first be in him. We've got to be in a relationship with him first before we can get closer to him, right? If there is no relationship, how do you get closer? You can't. And so you can't develop a closer relationship unless there is a relationship first. And then in verse 2, Jesus says this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And he's talking about branches here. All right? He's talking about this relationship. He's talking about people who are in this relationship already. He uses this term, in me, six times in this passage. And what he's basically saying is you must first be a Christian before you can have a deeper relationship as a Christian. And I want to talk about that for just a minute this morning. Right? The way a person becomes a Christian is through faith in Jesus Christ, through the, through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's how we become Christians. Jesus Christ came to earth. He died to pay for the sins of the whole world. That means your sins and my sins. And when he did that, forgiveness was available to us through faith in Jesus Christ and through the work of the Spirit. What he did when he died on the cross, the penalty for our sin was paid for. What's the penalty for sin? What is it? Death, yeah, separation from God. He dealt with that, took care of it for us. Morning, Fred. Welcome. And you know why he did it? He did it for one reason only, because he loved us. That's why he did it. And so he's basically telling the disciples here, and he's really saying to us, really, we should have died, shouldn't we? We're the ones that sinned. We're the guilty party. He shouldn't have done it. But he decided he chose to die for us and take our place on the cross. And, and the question, of course, is do you believe that? Here's the point. There are a whole bunch of people who are in religion. There are a whole bunch of people who are in church. There are a whole bunch of people who are moral and upstanding and all that, but that does not guarantee that they are in Christ. Just because you go to church does not guarantee you're a Christian. Keith Green used to say, just because you go to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Right? No, just because you're sitting in church doesn't make, guarantee that you're a Christian. There's no way it does. Just because just you are religious doesn't guarantee you're a Christian. We want to be in Christ. And so the invitation to abide in Christ must first be met with a relationship with Christ. You've got to be in the relationship before you can get closer to Jesus. So it starts there. So the obvious question is, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you trusted Jesus Christ to save you or rescue you from sin's penalty? There's no other way to be rescued except through faith in Jesus Christ. That's where, where you have to go. So don't miss this. You must believe in him in order to be saved by him. Do not miss this. It's the most important decision you will ever make. If you've not made that, you can do it this morning. 
But you have to make that decision before abiding in Christ comes into play, before you can get closer to him. But once you are in him, once you're connected to that source of your spiritual life, then bearing fruit is the desired result. And you can tell from the passage I read, Jesus expects that his followers produce much fruit. That's what he expects of us. And so we're going to talk about that now. Paul talks about this fruit in Galatians chapter 5. He talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And they're called the fruit of the Spirit. But you know what they really are? They're characteristics and qualities of Jesus' life. This is exactly how Jesus lived. And so what he's basically saying is you want to bear fruit? Become more like Jesus. Talk more like Jesus did. Think like Jesus did. Act like Jesus did. Do the things that Jesus did. Love people more like Jesus did. Folks, it's what the world is longing for. The world wants to see us live out those quality characteristics that were in the life of Jesus. And it, you know when we do that? It is very, very attractive. People are drawn to like, wow, why did I hate this guy, but he loves me. Why is that? They don't get it. They don't understand it. But it causes them to ask questions. We want to be the kind of people that are like that, that live like Jesus lived. Tony Evans said it this way, and I quote, fruit is God's spiritual reference to what our lives produce when our character reflects his. What's he saying with that? He's saying basically we need to become more and more like Jesus as we go and as we grow in our faith. That people ought to see at least a reflection of Jesus in our lives. Something that comes out of us, it says, you're different. Not sure what it is, but I want to find out. And it causes them to ask questions because we're living more like Jesus so if you want evidence that you're learning to abide in Christ, that you're learning to get closer to Jesus, check out what kind of fruit's being developed in your life. Are you loving people more? Are you patient with people? Are you kind to people? Our lives need to be bearing much fruit, which means our lives will overflow with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those fruit of the Spirit will begin to overflow in our lives. So once you're in him, the only thing necessary to bearing much fruit is to do what? Is to abide, is to remain in that close relationship. Listen to what I'm about to say. It is not about doing more for Jesus. You hear a lot of people, I got to work harder. I got to do better. I got to do more. I got to serve, serve more. I got to, and they're thinking about doing, doing, doing. No, it's about being with him. It's about hanging out with him. It's about being in his presence. Spending time with him. So it's not doing more for Jesus. It's being in Jesus' presence more. All right? That's really what abiding has to do with. So that you get up in the morning and you say, I want to hang out with you, Lord. And you go spend some time with him. You know, he's just waiting for us to, on Monday morning, he gets up out of bed and he says, I wonder if Kurt wants to hang out with me this morning. I wonder if Freddie wants to hang out with me this morning. He does. He wants us to hang out with him. He wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to be in deeper relationship with them all the time. You ever notice that when you hang out with certain people for long periods of time that some of their qualities begin to rub off on you? Well, it's the same thing spiritually. You hang out with Jesus long enough and some of his qualities start to rub off on you. And people notice it. They see changes taking place. So let the qualities of Jesus rub off on you by continually hanging out in his presence. Continually hanging out with him. So let's look at this process that takes us through the passage from no fruit to much fruit. Four things I want to talk about. All right? The first one is found in verse 2. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up, all right? Branches that are not producing fruit are lifted up. Why? So that they can produce some fruit. This is the beginning. If you're not bearing fruit, God wants you to bear some fruit. Now, I know in some of your translations, and this is very unfortunate, it says take away or is cast off or something to that effect, all right? I'm not sure what your translation says, but that's an unfortunate translation because the Greek word here in the original literally means to lift up. What does that mean? Here's the picture. It's a picture of a branch that has fallen in the dirt. It's got mud on it. The sunlight and the oxygen can't get penetrate enough to cause any fruit to be produced. And so the gardener has to come along and tenderly lift that branch off the ground, clean it off, get all the dirt off it, set it back on the trellis so that it can begin to produce some fruit. That's what he's talking about here, and that's what we want. We want to start to begin to produce some fruit. And it, this particular uh, idea is the idea of we see the kindness of God in the life of the believer. He loves each and every branch and desires that we bear fruit, right? What verse? verse 2, John 15, sorry. Sorry about that, Fred. So with care, what does he do? He lifts us to a place out of the dirt of this life to a place where we can begin to produce some fruit in our lives. The, dirt, the world's a dirty place, man. I'll tell you, you get out there and you hang out there long enough, you're not going to produce a whole lot of fruit. It's just not going to happen. So we want to produce some fruit. Paul said it this way. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so in the early stages of the Christian life, we see God being kind and gracious and merciful because we're like little kids stumbling around. If your kid spills milk at the kitchen table, you shouldn't be punishing him. It was an accident, right? And sometimes as new Christians, we're stumbling around doing things we, we're not even sure were right or wrong. I remember when I first got saved, I didn't know half the things I was doing that were sinful that were wrong. I thought they were normal because everybody else was doing it. And then the Spirit of God started to convict me about things. And so God in his kindness lifts us out of the dirt of this life and gets us to a place where we can begin to produce some fruit. That brings us to the second one. But remember, some fruit is not the goal. Much fruit is the goal. And so some fruit's a start, but it's not where we're headed. We're headed for much fruit, right? So again in verse 2, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. Now he talks about pruning. What does that mean? The gardener prunes the, 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 the branch so that it can produce as much fruit as possible. And so he he picks off dead parts of the, of the thing, wipes away the diseases on the branch, cleans it up, gets it so that the sustenance from the vine, as much of it as possible, can get to that branch and produce a big cluster of grapes. That's what he's going for, a big cluster of grapes. And so anything that is, is damaging to the productivity, he removes it so that it can have the full sustenance of the vine and can grow as much as possible. Now, the pruning process for the Christian is what we call discipline. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. God disciplines those whom he loves. In other words, he prunes us. He starts taking away the stuff that causes difficulty in our lives, causes us not to be fruitful. Now, you know that discipline at the hand of God is always painful, but guess what? It's always for your good. It's never to harm you. It's never to hurt you. It's always to draw you to a closer, stronger relationship with him. So don't fight the discipline. If you're, if you're out of line, stop, stop doing what you're doing. Let his discipline do its work. So many things hamper and distract us from walking with the Lord that if we don't remove them ourselves, he surely will. 
And his discipline is a painful thing sometimes. When I used to spank my kids, I know you're not supposed to do that, but we used to spank our kids. They didn't like it. The discipline was not good for them. They were like, I don't want to spank it. <laughs> That's what some of us are doing with God. We're saying, I don't want to spank it. Well, then stop sinning. And he won't have to spank you. Let's live for Jesus. Let's walk in his presence as much as we can. So that's still not the goal, though, right? Fruit's good, and some fruit's better, but much fruit is the goal, and that's where we're headed. We want to glorify God the Father by bearing much fruit. That brings us to number three. Branches which are abiding in Christ produce much fruit. Verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So abiding in Christ is how we bear much fruit. Now, the invitation is in verse 4, abide in me, but in 5 we read that we need to be bearing much fruit, and we only do that through abiding in Christ, remaining in that close relationship consistently. Now, we're not dippers, remember? We're not dipping ourselves in and out of that relationship with Christ. We're steepers. We want to be in that relationship as often and as long as we can, steeping ourselves in the vine, the true vine, Jesus, or we're not going to really accomplish anything of value for his kingdom. All right, it's just not going to happen. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we must be attached to, that's the relationship, and drawing sustenance from, that's the abiding piece, from Jesus our Savior, from the vine, the true vine. That way we glorify the Father and we bear much fruit. Bearing much fruit is the goal, right, in our day-to-day. So that means we live like Jesus lived. We love like Jesus loved. We're patient with people like Jesus was. We talk to people like Jesus did. All right? We live our lives as if we, are, we know we're a reflection of him. Because people are looking for it. As soon as you tell people you're a Christian, they want to see it. They want to see something lived out. And when you don't, they're like, yeah, that Jesus thing doesn't work. We want to bear much fruit for his kingdom. And that brings us to number four, verse six. Not every branch responds properly. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away just like a branch and and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So the implication is here that some of us don't abide. There is no abiding taking place. And what happens, the vitality is lost, and and the production of fruit is limited In in the life of somebody who's not abiding. And it even begins to wither. Three things come from this. The loss of connectedness is the first one. doesn't mean you're not a branch. It just means you're not bearing any fruit. You're no longer abiding in Christ. We want to remain close in that tight relationship. Remember as a kid, nah, me and Billy, we're tight. You knew what that meant. You and Billy were like the best, best of friends. Well, that's what it needs to be with us and Jesus. Me and Jesus, we're tight. We hang out all the time. We're, we're, you, you can't separate us. That's how we want to be. And so the, losing this connectedness, the vines are beginning to close themselves off. I mean, the branches are beginning to close themselves off to the vine and attempting to draw strength from some other source, whether from the world or from themselves. We try to do it in our own strength or we trust the world to get us through stuff instead of trusting Jesus. Second thing is they lose vitality. They begin to wither or die. And so dying instead of living, weakness instead of power, Emptiness instead of fullness. The branch has to go back to drawing its sustenance from the vine. 
We'll never do it by ourselves, guys. You cut a branch off of a vine and throw it on the ground, what happens to it? It dies. It can't produce any fruit separated from the vine. It will not happen. So don't find yourself out there separated from Christ. Stay connected. Stay in close relationship. Abide in Jesus. The third thing that happens is that they lose their reward. Now, the prize for a healthy branch is what? A huge cluster of grapes. The gardener is going for that. He wants that big cluster of grapes. That's the prize. Well, the prize for the believer in Jesus Christ is much fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That our cluster is full in all those character qualities. That's the prize for us. If you produce much fruit in your lives because you've decided to abide in Christ, then there'll be a reward one day. If you choose not to abide in Christ and you don't produce much fruit, then there won't be any reward. It's a reward-loss-rewards issue. You won't hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear those words one day? I want to stand in this present and hear him say, Dave, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think we all want to hear that. Now let me talk about verse 6 for just a minute because this verse could be a little confusing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. It sounds like, if you're not careful, that the person who's not abiding is thrown into hell or, or burnt in that sense, spiritually lost forever. Can't be true. And here's why. Too many verses in the New Testament that would contradict. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have what? Eternal life. How long does that last? Forever. You can't never have it after you've gotten it. John 6.47, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life or eternal life. It can never end. So if six months after you trust Christ you think you don't have salvation anymore, you never got eternal life in the beginning. If the only gift given to us is eternal life, then it has to last forever. So you can't be lost or burnt up at some point. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, eternal life, it lasts forever. It's yours forever. So it's not about losing the relationship, because it's eternal, right? It has to do with losing rewards or gaining rewards. Loss of connectedness as it relates to abiding and lack of fruit. Let me read a passage from 1 Corinthians because Paul kind of nails it for us. He says this, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he makes it very clear. Jesus is the foundation. All right? Now, if a man builds upon that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or with wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident for the day, what day? The day of judgment, when we stand before Jesus Christ one day at the Bema seat, at the judgment seat of Christ, and we give account for whether we've been faithful as a Christian or whether we haven't been faithful, whether we've, we bore much fruit or we didn't bear much fruit. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So it's a rewards issue. Some of your, your, your works you're doing, the fruit you're producing is not going to be of value because we've done it with the wrong motives. 
We go witness to people so we can tell people, I witnessed to 10 people. Check me out. Pat me on the back. Wrong motivation. No, no reward for that. Right? The, the reward only comes if our motivation's right. And what's the proper motivation? I did it to please Jesus. That's it. Do you live your life as a Christian to please Jesus Christ? Do you live it to please yourself? Or to please other people? To you know, hope people check you out or whatever. Whatever your reasoning is. The reason we are rewarded or not rewarded has only to do with motivation, whether we did it to please Jesus Christ. And so when we get up in the morning, we ought to say, okay, Lord, I want to please you today. Help me to do that. How do I do it? And, let him, and walk with him through the day. So it's not, not about burning up and going to hell. It's about burning up those rewards that were not done with the right motivation. All right? If anyone does not abide, is just as possible as anyone who does abide. Both can, both can result here. This kind of sounds like Paul's statement in Galatians chapter 6. Listen to what he says here. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatever man plants, he will harvest. The one who plants to please his sinful nature, from that nature will harvest destruction. The one who plants to please the Spirit will from the Spirit harvest eternal life. There it is again, pleasing him. Let us not become weary in practicing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Paul's talking about individual choices we make, just as in the passage we're looking at, Jesus is talking about individual choices we make, especially as it relates to abiding in him. The way you're going to produce the the kind of fruit God's talking about here, Jesus is talking about, is by abiding in Jesus, remaining in a close relationship with him. Intimate connectedness to the vine, that abiding, is how we produce abundant fruit. There's no other way to do it. You'll never do it on your own. You'll never do it if you trust the world or whatever else is going on around you. And so this casting out in verse 6 is not casting into the lake of fire. It's a loss of, of reward based on your lack of closeness to Jesus because of your lack of abiding. And so abiding, we bear much fruit, right? We've said that plenty of times this morning. The only way you will bear much fruit and produce the kind of gold, silver, precious stones that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 3 is by abiding in Christ. The non-abiding Christian, the one who chooses not to abide, is not going to produce any fruit worthy of reward. It's just not going to happen. His works will be burned up before Christ, just like a branch is burned up at the end of harvest time, but he will be saved, Paul says in verse 15. So the fruits get burned up, but the person is still intact. Just again, talking to us about how vitally important it is to abide in Jesus, to walk close with him, to stay in a close relationship. Jesus wants a close relationship. He doesn't want religious busyness. Let me say that again. He does not want religious busyness, doing stuff for him all the time and thinking that's what it's about. No, he wants a close relationship with you personally, each and every one of us. Weaving Jesus in in all that you think and do and say. Let me close with this. Too many Christians want a microwave experience with Jesus when God's offering a crockpot experience. Let me tell you the difference between the two. The microwave experience is like going to church, pushing a button and hoping everything works out. Hoping that uh, you'll get some results. The crockpot experience is 
when we marinate and tenderize in our relationship with Christ and hang out with Jesus in that relationship, so we soak up as much of him as possible. Huge difference. Don't do the microwave thing. It's just not going to get you. Don't spend your whole life being busy for God. Fill the gaps of your life with his presence. In those moments when you've got nothing going on, get in his presence. Talk to him. Be with him. He longs for your company. He longs for the conversations. He longs to be in your presence. The question is, do you long to be in his presence? The fruit's going to come. Don't worry about it. It'll be produced if you hang out with him. But if you don't hang out with him, it's not going to happen. And so the invitation this morning is, abide in me, Jesus says. Abide in Jesus. Be in that close relationship with, with him. Learn to live in his presence. Be a steeper, not a dipper. Right? No dipping. Steep yourself in the relationship. Soak up as much of Jesus as you possibly can.